What's up, everyone? It's Michael Scotto, HoopsHype.com's NBA writer and host of the HoopsHype podcast. On today's episode, my co-host and our HoopsHype salary cap expert, Yossi Goslin, joins me to answer your Twitter questions on various topics, including what the Pacers will do after the TJ Warren and Edmund Sumner injuries, if Eric Gordon could be traded, trade targets for the Celtics, uh, the futures of Kevin Love and Robert Covington, who will the Lakers add, and plenty more. So, folks, we're going to get right into it with your questions that you post to us on Twitter. We appreciate them. We're going to get to as many of them as we can. Uh, so, Yossi, the first question comes in from Tyler Neald, who asked, what should the Pacers do with the injuries to TJ Warren and Edmund Sumner? Do they wait until they are healthy or attempt a trade? Thanks, guys. Uh, Yossi, from my vantage point, Indiana has enough talent to win with DeMontis Sabonis, Miles Turner, Karis LeVert, and Malcolm Brogdon to lean on. Uh, TJ Warren showed how good he can be when he was healthy. He'd make Indiana more of a contender on paper if he's in the lineup. If the Pacers wanted to shake up the roster, they could theoretically try and make a package centered on LeVert and Brogdon to land Ben Simmons, but... I'm not sure either of those guys is the headline name Philadelphia would want back for Simmons. Uh, so with that in mind, I think Coach Rick Carlisle can hold down the fort for now until they get Warren healthy. Yeah, he's in the final year of his contract. I'm sure he'll want to get back on the court fully healthy with his financial future at stake coming up this summer. Yeah, as far as the hole that P.J. Warren would leave, I don't think the Pacers really need to do too much. They already did a lot of that work. Thankfully, they're deep at the wing. Uh, I would imagine the starting small forward position right now is up for grabs between uh, Justin Holiday, Torrey Craig, and maybe even Chris Duarte. Uh, and they still have Jeremy Lamb and Keelan Martin. Uh, both of them could play some three. So they're pretty well prepared right now. I still don't know when Warren's supposed to come back. Maybe it's maybe only misses the beginning of the year. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I've, I do want to touch on your, the Simmons potential. I've thought about the Pacers a lot and I see a lot of people, they put like a Brogdon type package. I was, I've always felt like maybe they would probably want to trade one of their centers, probably not to Philadelphia, but like to a third team. And then, you know, like it'd be interesting whether Simmons would, match with Sabonis or with Turner, I think he could make a pretty good front court with either of them. Well, time will tell on that, but we'll get into our next question, which comes from David, uh, who asked if there was any update regarding an Eric Gordon trade. Uh, you know, Eric Gordon has always been a productive player when he's healthy, but that's also been one of the biggest knocks of him as a player. Um, I, I expect teams to circle the wagon on Gordon if he can show he's healthy and for the Rockets to continue to dangle him as trade bait as they did during the NBA draft. Gordon at 32, he doesn't fit the young core of the team and he'd be better suited on a playoff team. So similar to how uh, Houston and John Wall are working towards a resolution via a trade or some form of a new destination, uh, I would expect the same thing for Eric Gordon, given where Houston is in their rebuild. And so Gordon's now in the second year of an extension he signed uh, about two years ago, or I think it was last year. And, um, you know, 
I don't think I think it's a pretty reasonable deal. He's only owed about uh, he's owed like eighteen million this year, and then nineteen million the next year. So I think it's pretty reasonable if if a contending team wants to trade for him, uh, especially if you think if you think Eric Gordon's going to be good these next two years, then might as well make an offer for him. Um, I wrote about recently how there's kind of a conundrum for contending teams interested in trading for Eric Gordon, mainly because the third year uh, is 22-23, no, 23-24 season is non-guaranteed, but it becomes guaranteed if the team he's on wins a championship uh, for about 20-something million. So I don't know. I, I'm, I was, I've been thinking maybe that could be a reason some teams could be holding back on trading for him because he would raise a lot of team ceilings. So probably not. Uh, I'm sure uh, maybe he's making it just a little too much. Uh, we'll see it. I think, like I said, I think if you're a contender and you think Gordon can, can help raise your ceiling, you go for it. Um, but I thought he would have been traded by now. I, I don't think it's such a, I don't think it's like, I think a lot of people frown on that deal. I don't think it's that bad. Yeah. I just think for Eric Gordon, he just got to show that he's healthy and he's still a productive player. I know he's going to be 33 coming up, but I still got some gas in the tank. Uh, but, you know, we'll see what, what happens if they can get a package that they like for him. You know, I'm not sure Houston's going to want to give up a pick to move off him, but they might have to given his contract. So time will tell. But our next question comes from Miles Oakner, who asked, can you see the Celtics targeting a guy like Kyle Anderson or Thaddeus Young with the Evan Fournier traded player exception? Both Thaddeus Young and Kyle Anderson are in the final years of their contracts. Young will have plenty of trade suitors around the league who are playoff teams. I'm not sure what Anderson's market would be if uh, he became available. I, I think a wing defender like Dylan Brooks, for example, might have more value to teams if Memphis decides to shake up the roster even more than it has this summer. If I had to pick either guy Boston goes after, I think it would be Young in that scenario because he's more of a veteran who'd fit better next to Jason Tatum in the front court. Yeah, I could see the Celtics acquiring uh, one of Thaddeus Young or Kyle Anderson with that TP. Uh, they used their previous one to uh, acquire Evan Fournier and Josh Richardson, you know, very solid low-end starters at their best. So Thaddeus Young and Kyle Anderson, I think they kind of fit that bill. I'm just not sure if the Celtics would want to use their TPEs for this season, though. Maybe like they have a couple, uh, but maybe not. The, maybe they could save the Fournier one for next off season. Uh, they're already pretty deep, not too deep, but they're in the luxury tax. And if you're going to take in one of these guys without sending anything back, they're they're going to really uh, that bill's going to really start to add up. So, you know, I, I like both players a lot. They would certainly uh, help win some more games for the Celtics. I just don't know how worth it it is for them to pay so much more for the, for more role players. They already have a lot. Our next question comes from at Grizzlies legend. So uh, I know folks that you don't got to think too hard on this one. This is probably going to be a Grizzlies question. So at Grizzlies legend asks, are the Grizzlies shopping Dylan Brooks or looking for another big piece? I wouldn't say Memphis is shopping Dylan Brooks. He's a good defender who has become a consistent scorer, had 
16 to 17 points a game over the past two seasons. Uh, keep this one under your hat, folks. But Dylan Brooks is only owed $12.2 million this season, and his contract declines to $11.4 million next season. That's pretty good value. And he has a good relationship with franchise cornerstone John Morant, too. So I'd say teams have interest in Brooks, and he could be a part of a bigger trade package if Memphis tries to land a star, but he's not being shopped. I wouldn't classify it as that. Yeah, I agree. I wouldn't trade Brooks right now unless you're consolidating for a, for like, you know, or starting garter, like a really good all-star garter, someone like that. But in general, I wouldn't, if I'm Memphis, I wouldn't trade Dylan Brooks right now unless I get some ridiculous offer for him. Like, I don't know, some overpay, multiple first round picks for him. Um, he really elevated himself to a borderline first option on offense in the playoffs against Utah. And he was just a pest on defense. So, and as you mentioned, just an extremely team friendly contract. I highly doubt Memphis wants to move on from him right now. Speaking of people that a team may or may not be trying to move on from our next question comes from at Odeon 26, you know, for a second, I thought it was a, uh, a Greg Oden burner account based on the Twitter <laughs> handle, but at Odeon 26 asks, will the Nets trader wave somebody next? Well, as we touched on previously on the Hoops High podcast, the Nets final roster spot will likely come down to DeAndre Bembry or Sekou Dumbuya. Uh, if Bembry goes, he'll be waived. If Sekou goes, they'll likely try and trade him away for a future draft pick. Yeah, I think you got that completely right. They cut someone to Bembry if they want to get off Seku. There should be plenty of teams interested in him. Our next question comes from at Trick Season. Uh, nice handle. Will Robert Covington re-sign with Portland? To me, if Damian Lillard stays in Portland, I think there will be more of an urgency to re-sign Covington. If the team can agree to a team-friendly contract extension with him around $15 million or so, Maybe they do it thinking it's decent value and uh, he can always be traded later on. Yeah, so he's eligible right now for an extension. It's worth about $70 million over four years. Uh, I could see him getting around that amount with Portland. Uh, it's like slightly over $15 million a year, like maybe close to seventeen. I think that's pretty fair value for him. Um, now, yeah, decision on that could depend on what happens with Dame. But I think that's a fine extension with or without him. Um, if, you know, things change and they want to uh, maybe go towards a rebuild, if things don't work out, they should still be able to trade that contract later if they need to. And keeping it on the West Coast, our next question is from at hashtag LakerPod. Assuming they leave one spot open for the buyout market, who should the Lakers sign for the remaining roster spot? What names have you heard linked to the Lakers? Uh, well, as I previously reported on on the Hoops High podcast, James Ennis has drawn interest from the Lakers. Uh, for Ennis, I think it comes down to whether the team will give him some guaranteed money at this point on the open market or not. And, Yossi, you could certainly touch on some other names that have been linked with the Lakers. Right. I just think with the Lakers right now, just seeing that roster – uh, I would just get one more wing to fill out that final roster spot. You mentioned Ennis. I can't get him. Maybe bring back Wes Matthews. Maybe even bring back Avery Bradley. Um, I'm sure whoever they do sign, they'll probably want to get some non-guaranteed type of deal. 
just in case, you know, there's some interesting names that come up on the buyout market. Like they were, they got a lot of, they got some good guys on the buyout market last year. I'm sure they're going to want to keep the 15th roster spot and maybe uh, let go of whoever they put it on the 14th spot for a buyout guy or two. Um, Maybe they're, I can see them potentially holding out for Kevin Love or John Wall if they were to get buyouts in the near future. So yeah, but otherwise just one of those wing guys. Well, as you mentioned, speaking of guys that can get bought out, our next question comes from Matt Akins, who asks, why is Kevin Love still on the Cavaliers? Uh, Well, Matt, uh, Kevin Love hasn't garnered much trade interest on the market and he's owed a lot of money. Uh, For Cleveland, with Lowry Markkinen in the fold, along with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, uh, it's clear the Cavaliers are heading towards a younger front court. Uh, No offense to Kevin Love. I don't think he's going to be happy in Cleveland with a reduced role. He'll have to decide if he wants to sacrifice money for a better opportunity to play elsewhere. Uh, Similar to what Blake Griffin did with Detroit before he revived his career in Brooklyn. Uh, If Love agrees to a buyout, I can see the Lakers making a run at him given his relationship with Russell Westbrook and his connection to UCLA. And they've certainly done a great job of adding guys uh, that were stars in years past. Uh, You know, the the age of this roster has been uh, more criticized than a bad movie on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, the the main reason Love is probably still on the Cavs is – that they haven't agreed to a buyout yet. Now, uh, if he were to give back around like 16 mil, that would be proportional to what Kemba gave back in his buyout with Oklahoma City. But the big difference is that Kemba immediately recouped the money in his new deal with the Knicks, uh, almost all of it. Uh, Love might not be able to get back that much uh, in, throughout the rest of his career. So, uh, I mean, at a minimum, I think... Like if he were to hit the free agent market now, he's definitely guaranteed a minimum contract this year and next year, which totals about like six million. Uh, so I'm sure that might be somewhere where he's that might be what uh, like a range he's looking to give back. Uh, we'll see what happens. I my guess is they'll meet. I think they'll meet somewhere in the middle. And you'll see our last question comes from at Arthur underscore Cash. Will Toronto start rebuilding, or are they content with being a play-in team throughout Fred VanVleet and Pascal Siakam's contract? Uh, Toronto's focused on the development of its young core and figuring out where they stand. After being away from Toronto all the last season and essentially playing a 72-game road schedule, it'll be interesting to see how the return to Toronto affects the team. I'm sure Siakam's name will come up in trade rumors again, especially if Toronto tries to trade for Ben Simmons. Uh, The Raptors are big fans of Fred Van Vliet, and he's got some ties in the community. So um, I don't necessarily look for him to be on the move. I I think they're figuring out what that young core is, and they got to figure out what Scotty Barnes is going to be too, their new rookie. Yeah, it feels like Toronto is kind of hedging towards – being competitive, but also potentially going to an all-out rebuild just in case things don't work out. Don't forget that they were planning on making a shot, take, uh, making a run at Giannis for this past offseason, but they didn't get the chance. Giannis signed his extension, so 
And then you hear they're being linked with Ben Simmons. So it's, I'm not sure what their plans are, but uh, I think a lot of it will depend on what happens this year. And their trajectory as far as how competitive they are, it's pretty tough to gauge right now. Uh, I think they overachieved in 2020, but then they severely underachieved in 2021. So it's really hard for me to say which end of the spectrum the Raptors are uh, more close to this upcoming Raptors team. But I'm kind of leaning towards last year being a little more representative just because now they lost Lowry. They got a little younger. The East got a little stronger, in my opinion. Uh, with that said, my guess is they'll probably do want to compete as, as much as they can this year. And if that means they'll be in the playing range, I think they'll be okay with that. After this year, maybe we'll start to get an idea of where the front office stands with some of their core guys like Siakam or Van Vliet. Uh, next offseason, both players will become extension eligible. So maybe they'll decide by then if they want to continue with these guys or if they have uh, another rough season, maybe they decide they want to start to move on from some of these guys and shift more towards a rebuild. I mean, these guys should have plenty of value if they want to move on from them. So it would definitely give them a jump start towards that. I'm sure somewhere you're working on that extensions piece for next season already. (laughs) (laughs) Well, folks, uh, that's a, that's a wrap for us here. We appreciated all your questions on Twitter and we'll certainly do another podcast Q&A like this again at some point coming up in the future. Uh, be sure to keep a, an eye on that on Twitter. And on behalf of my colleague, Yossi, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. If you want to hear more episodes of the Hoops High podcast with guest appearances from NBA players, coaches, executives, media members, NBA analysis from Yossi on the salary cap and reporting from me, you can like and subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can also keep up with my tweets on Twitter, at Mike A. Scotto. Make sure you're following Yossi, too. He's Yossi Goslin at Y-O-S-S-I-G-O-Z-L-A-N. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Scotto, wishing you and yours all the best. Yeah.